1: A lot of you listeners geek out about more than just weather, including me. You have other passions and hobbies that you explore, including reading, biking, or like my guest today, cooking. Renowned and award-winning chef Art Smith has cooked for many notables, including President Barack Obama, Oprah Winfrey, and Lady Gaga. He is also a successful restaurateur, bringing his signature Southern cuisine all across the country. What you may not know about Art, however, is he is a weather geek like us. He can talk weather and climate, especially since they have an impact on the success of other wonderful restaurants. Art Smith, thank you for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast.
0: Pleasure, thank you, sir. Um, you know, I I love weather. Well. You you
1: came to the right podcast then, and I gotta say this is quite quite unique for us. You're certainly one of our most out of the box guests, and I want to write off right before we get started. I want to thank our mutual friend Ed Mansuri. We love Ed Mansuri, and he's great. He's been a guest on the Weather Geeks podcast and the television show when we did the show. And he, uh, by the way, check out Ed Mansuri and what he's doing with the awesome Weather STEM program. If you aren't familiar with it, but he is the one that recommended Chef Art Smith. He said, "Gotta have him on Weather Geeks. You gotta have him on Weather Geeks." We've got. Him on Weather Thank Geeks. You. Thank you. Well, I, let me just kind of set the stage so the listeners know. I, I kind of gave them a little bit of your intro in the, um, in the discussion here, but you were born and raised in Florida. You're a Florida State University graduate, like myself, so there's mm-hmm. another connection as well. You work for Florida governors Bob Graham and Jeb Bush. Mm-hmm. You've cooked for the President of the United States uh, and the King of Sweden. And you were the personal chef for Oprah Winfrey until 2007, and you still write articles in her magazine. Is that right?
0: Well, we we still we collaborate on different things. Okay. And a lot of her different um, uh, things that she does when she does Super Soul Sundays and other things, um, she continues to be like a, a wonderful – Positive force in my life, Um, you know, but it didn't. It didn't start that way. Well, we've got. We all have a start somewhere, (laughs) you know. I'm a Floridian, right? And I grew up in the '60s, where either either the the Cubans were launching (laughs) (laughs) threatening launch missiles at us, or the hurricane was going to take us out. Okay, so we were always like, run for the shelter, run for the shelter. Right, but you're always like,
1: with 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 all of that background, and I'm going to detail some of his amazing uh, accomplishments and where his restaurants are and all those really cool things. As well, but I want to hear when you first became sort of this weather geek.
0: Well, like I said, you know, grow up in Florida, you have to kind of know about weather because you know, in Florida, particularly during hurricane season, um, it was part of the family because everyone went to the tube and and you know, in those days, you know, they didn't have what we have now, and we were you know, the National Hurricane you know said send, send out um, you know warnings, whatever. We live very inland. Um, we're that we're not. Really Really panhandle. We're right on the, there at the, they're at the border of Georgia and Florida, but there have been hurricanes oh, that sure. have come up the Swanee and Absolutely. and we've had a few come through and everything. But, um, but we, what we do is get the get the winds and stuff like that. But, um, so I think to be a native Floridian, to not have any knowledge of hurricanes is probably you've lived in a box right. and, because it really is part of our lives. And, um, I think that, um, and as my career grew, you know, I was at Florida state, there's a, there's a funny part of that. I was not a great student and how my life really turned just completely upside down was I was a great student. And the Dean, Dean Almerod at the school of hospitality there, you remember, it was not so far from where your school, your building was um, sent me over to the governor's house (laughs) to help out. And um, you know, I, they wanted me to do a party and wait on tables. I, like, I don't want to do that. I want to. I want to cook. <laughs> I said, "Do you know how to cook?" I said, "No, but I can. I think I can do it." And uh, I started helping out in the kitchen. And it was about 1981, 82. And Mark de Stewart had come out with a book called Entertaining. Well, I could memorize every picture and everything in that book and just reproduce it. So they loved me. I could make it pretty. Because they they had no budget, but I could take not so great stuff, look beautiful. And along came a special guest, and his name was Mikhail Borishnikov. Wow. And the the American belly. And um, I cooked for him and got the job. And so I became the governor's chef. Wow. So I took a hiatus from school. Okay. So basically, I quit the school to work for the governor. Well. And so I worked for Bob Graham. And then, of course, working for the governor and in, in the governor's house, every time hurricane season came around, you know, the governor is always right there on top of the hurricanes. And, you know, if he has to put out a special message to the public or whatever he has to do, you know, so I'm part of that. And so it was always like in it. And so I did that. And then along came a guest. You ever heard the story? The guest comes and steals a chef. Sure. Well, they had a guest that came, stole me. Wow. To work on a yacht in Europe. They were building this massive yacht. And they wanted me to chef. Now, mind you, I'd never been at sea, and
1: that's that has its own weather and other challenges. Oh, okay. well, I have
0: a good with that. So, um, we take it out for sea trials in the North Sea. Oh North, boy. North, sea. North Sea. Okay, very turbulent you see weather. The, you see those pictures of those oil rigs? Oh, and absolutely, those absolutely. I got horribly seasick, and the little town of Monica Dam, where the ship was built, the Lady Alice, was saying the chef is going to get sick and the crew will starve, <laughs> and so it was really funny. And so I, I had all—I was taking everything, trying not to get seasick. So when we went out to sea. We were crossing the Channel, which was all I can remember. We could not see. Anything in front of us, we had the, we had radar, we had everything, but the fog was so deep. I remember through the fog you could see the cliffs of Dover. You know, we were we were just trying to get to Plymouth. Okay, we got to Plymouth, and what happened was is that um, we hit a gale. Wow. Okay, I thought a gale like okay, it's a big wind. It ain't a wind; it's a hurricane. Yeah, and could, we're you know, at, well.
1: There's something called gale forced winds, and, <laughs> and so they're I want to tell
0: you something. Yeah, when you're you're in this 140 foot yacht, which is Fairly high up. I mean, it's probably over fifty feet from the for the waterline to the top. Okay, and the waves are coming across the top of the ship. Yes, you're going like olo. Oh, okay, I was just like I was always getting to the highest point. <laughs> Yeah. No, so, well, so yeah, so you certainly... I, I had, was not a sailor. Well... But I learned to cook. Well, that's the,
1: one of the worst places in the world to be sent from a weather standpoint if you are not familiar
0: with being on water. But the but the weather was so bad because it was late October to November that we just, we started just finding you know, like our little, our little peaceful port. So we, we'd stay in France for a little bit. Then we'd go over to the Canary Islands and stay there a little bit. Then we go over to Portugal and stay a little bit. And then we went to the, uh, Reef went to different places so we um but that's kind of like you know being at sea and just kind of watching the captain and watching the radar and just and just understanding um it was truly and i i decided i was sick of being on a ship so i I, um went back on land and um but i i've always had this intrigue with it and and then of course um and, you know, I worked a whole part of my life out on, at, uh, on the Hamptons, you know. And then in that year, we had a lot of really bad weather that was coming across up north, you know. And that part of Long Island up there, you know, we always get the tail ends of hurricanes you and get stuff. The, and you
1: get the tail end of hurricanes, but during the winter also, you get a lot of the nor'easters, okay, the storms I, that I went, come I, up.
0: I went to a northeaster, too. Those those yeah. uh, nor'easters, they're actually kind of interesting. I mean, like, uh, you know, what, what, I just call this just a cold hurricane. You
1: it, know? Well, very different systems in the Sense that there, uh, and this is a little. Well, I'll geek out a little bit weather-wise. because so hurricanes are warm core systems; they they actually have warm air in the center. And these nor'easters are more cold core. But Hurricane Sandy was a little bit of both. It was a warm core right. system, and then became a nor'easter, or right. became more of a mid latitude storm. But you you think that they are sort of similar, given your experience of right. hurricanes? Right. I, and what I, you I thought so. I was
0: really. I was really. It's just they're really. It's really cold, and you know, um, and I and I think you know Sandy really taught the East Coast about. Refamiliarize East Coast about hurricanes, yes, because never no one ever assumed that a hurricane could actually hit a huge metropolitan new Jersey new york exactly, exactly. Yeah. staten island i mean it it took a while and still recovering you know from that hurricane you know it's you know it was just really uh it was terrible i you know we had that horrible hurricane um I can never remember names that went through the Panhandle you know and um you know we got hit by one where I own a uh, a school you know, it's the old Smith mansion and it took off the front of our, our building. And oh, wow. Ed has a weather station. And that was what's great about it was it, that was all going through, but with what Ed's done, he's done pinpoint weather. So, you know, many times when people look at the weather, you know, they're kind of like, Oh, well, I see that, but, how, but it's different here. It's, right. It gives people a more, you know, the idea of what there was like, but I, I think for me and I'd heard about what Ed was doing, it read, Ed really kind of re um, kind of made me more curious about whether again um, I had an aunt Millicent, a fascinating lady. she was a hairdresser who had bigger dreams and she met this amazing man who was very smart. Um, this was during the Cold War, and he was quite a genius about creating listening devices to and he could listen to the Russians oh wow, <laughs> and so he created these listening devices stations all over the world and anyways but she while he was doing his secret stuff she would uh, she loved entertainment and um, so she became a weather girl in the early 1950s in Washington um, lived in Crystal City and it was like Channel 5 and she uh, was really cool and she, she told the weather and I, I, I I'm not really sure how much she knew about meteorology right. but she was pretty glamorous doing well,
1: it. Well I think that's a sort of a, a sort of a sign of the times but the you know shout out to all of the my colleagues now, because i I know a lot of them, and rightfully so probably say will remind you i 'm a meteorologist that I know the weather and i 've had all of these physics and science classes, so it 's interesting because there 's been this sort of transition of sort of the the weather girl to actual scientists and meteorologists that have studied the weather and so right. it 's been interesting to watch that dynamic uh, because you 'll still sort of see that terminology even used, and you know i 've got some friends and colleagues who will quickly remind you i 'm a meteorologist uh, scientist. Right. But that's interesting. You were showing me some pictures right. of her in front of the static boards, no it's, radar. No,
0: nothing. And the the funniest story, this is the one that's just hysterical. She loved going to parties and she later got much really into the fashion industry and everything like that. So she'd always have her latest fashion on and she'd gone out and party and she had her fashion on. And, you know, there's nothing worse than being seen the next day in the same clothes that you went to the party in. Okay. So, so obviously it says you did not sleep that night. Right. So she didn't have time to change. So she showed up at her job to, to give the weather in the party dress. <laughs> and so she told, the, she, she gave the weather in her party dress. And the ratings were so great, they said, can you show up every day in a party dress to wow. give the weather? Because they wanted this glamorous. Right. But I, I always thought that was funny. And I love the fact that my aunt loved to, loved to have a good time, Aunt Millicent Walter, <laughs> and God rest her. She was a really lovely lady.
1: This is why we really wanted Art Smith on the show. I mean, you can already see he's got some amazing stories and anecdotes that I want to dive into. I want to kind of dig a little bit deeper because— I mean, you've mentioned weather stem Edmund Surrey and you've added weather forecasting. What talk? Tell us about your nonprofit.
0: Well, um, you've got weather in there somehow. Yes, uh, you know we we started. I've been in the nonprofit business now for fifteen years. Um, we created uh, after school. Um, school program for kids that teaches kids how to cook um, and it's it's a free lesson and we teach over a quarter of a million called Common Threads and you go to dot .org, excuse me, and you can read about it. But... When we moved back home um, to to North Florida, um, I saw the town that I once, what I was born in, how much it had changed. And as most rural towns, they they've changed quite a bit because industry changes. And a town that was originally agriculture now has changed down to phosphate and to other things. And so there's the economy was really not so great. And um, and I to me, you know, I I come from after ten years with Oprah Winfrey and being around all those great people. Um one of the things that really can create change is education. And I think it's important and um, that, you know, that we create educational programming that will help inform, enlighten yes. um, the community. Um and because that's the only way we're gonna have great change. And the, the reality is that the just just the just that everybody should have some knowledge of weather. Oh I agree. Um, A
1: lot of people think they do. They don't. So it's important to actually don't don't have the level that's needed, I should say. Certainly every experience it knows it somewhat.
0: And and when Ed came along with this this what he they were telling me about this program, I said how wonderful. I said what I think would be marvelous is for you to actually do Conversations about weather and how it affects us daily, and so Ed put up his station he gave conversations, and these conversations were um, ba- basically was just a more um, kind of gentler way than say i don't like the word lecture that sounds like you know yeah um, i don't I don't like um, confer all that I just like a conversation absolutely. community starts with conversation absolutely and um, and through those conversations, I felt that And this is the thing I've learned. You know, when you went to the university and everything, you know, you go through this hour-long lecture and you remember about this much. Exactly. And the reality is is that um, I felt like um, the information that we were given, if, if, if the fact is they just remembered just a portion of it, we were successful. Right. Um, and so – and what I've also felt was important too is that – the the weather plays such an important part on the environment in which we live, but particularly Florida. Um, Florida, its aquifer is so is so close to the surface. Um, the aquifer is just a big limestone sponge, and what keeps it, you know, nice and, and and full is all the rain. And when we don't have rain, then we have what is called sinkholes. They collapse right. exactly. Um, and you know, our state is dotted with beautiful freshwater springs, um, and um, and the springs have a, an amazing way of showing us what our groundwater is about and just the way some of them have changed. That's why it's so important about, um, you know, the effects of rain, the effects of industry and being careful about uh, knowing that the soil itself and the aquifer is like a big sponge. So whatever you pour is going to be absorbed um, you know, we, we're we going through a reclamation um, restoration program at this historic site where our school is, is um, where, believe it or not, they had a gas station in front of it. So we're actually, um, the, the state and I are working together to take out the the toxins and the soil from the gas station because it's just to say that, you know, our groundwater in, is so important and that, you know, people need to understand that, you know, like just to be so cautious. And the other thing, too, is just to, is to understand how, um, weather affects us daily in terms of, not just the fact when it affects us when we get rained on, but the fact that how it affects the growing of food:
1: Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and I'm talking with world-renowned chef Art Smith. If you didn't catch some of his credentials, he's uh, cooked for President Barack Obama, Oprah Winfrey, Lady Gaga. He has restaurants in Chicago, Washington, D.C., Palo Alto, Atlanta, and Disney Springs. Uh, He specializes in Southern cuisine. Um, It it, it talks about your connections to uh, Lady Gaga, uh, whose parents who own a restaurant in in New York. He's won multiple James Beard Awards for Humanitarian of the Year, for example, in 2007. And in 2015, he launched a nonprofit organization called Reunion Florida Garden and Kitchen School in Madison, Florida. Uh, I've got a good friend of mine, Charlie Jackson, that grew up in Madison. Still lives in Madison, Florida. So shout out to Charlie if he's listening. Um, he, he This is actually nearest childhood home in Jasper, Florida. At reunion, students of all ages receive free classes on southern cooking, traditions, horticulture, and weather forecasting via the weather stem system that you've heard um, um, Art Smith mention. Now, you were about to pivot into a discussion that I want to dig deeply into here on Weather mm-hmm. Geeks the notion of weather and climate and the connection to our food system. Mm-hmm. Talk about that.
0: Well, what, what's been interesting is that um, – and I'm, and I'm just basing it. I, I travel all around the world. In some places where I travel, in most places that I travel, there is – water is precious. So freshwater. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, and, but coming from a place where fresh water was abundant due to the aquifer – but also seeing um, the concern about um, the area that we live is pretty rural and it's been protected. Uh, there, it's a lot of pine tree um, farms, as they call them. Uh, and recently, um, I don't know if you've heard this, but Bill Gates has bought up much of that land, and he's doing organic um, growing uh, vegetables, primarily carrots. Right. And if you you're familiar with this pivot irrigation center
1: pivot? Yeah, we have quite a bit of it in and, Georgia. And yes.
0: the, you know, the people that are pro pivot, the feeling is that it um, it helps uh, with. Uh, it doesn 't waste the, the the water that other irrigation systems use and stuff but, a lot, but other people are concerned that it 's taking too much water out of the um, the fact is we got to eat and and we're and i but I do believe that technology and farming has come a long ways well,
1: I got an example of that the stripling center down in Southwest Georgia has developed a very efficient uh, center pivot irrigation system that uses a fraction of the water right and, and t- its technology
0: exactly and I think what we 're also learning too, and thanks to science we 've Learned too, about what to grow and what not to grow. You know, we found out that, you know, there was a time in Florida that, you know, Florida was always been looked upon as the American Riviera. It was that tropical paradise. So you see a lot of stuff down there, particularly um, plants that are evasive that are not from there. And the problem was, is that these plants that they brought down there were, one— not hurricane proof, as you see with the Australian pines. They're so they get the only the only thing that's going to stay in the ground is a palm tree palm because tree, yeah. they're native to native the native species. But yes. and but that's the whole thing. And, and we've seen how invasive species can totally disrupt. Um, you know, it's really interesting. I've been serving wild boar at all. This is this company called Shogun. Apparently, one of the conquistadors um, let his pigs pigs um de Soto let his pigs loose. And so we have one million wild boar in Florida. In Florida. And so they eat everything. Right. You know, and so they're very evasive. And so, you know, we, we – and, and due to that, you ha- it's caused a lot of erosion. And with erosion and you got the weather on it, then, you know, there's only so many places in the world, and especially in our country, where we have topsoil. Sure. And without topsoil, you can't grow anything. Can't grow anything. And, um, and you, you've seen those maps where it shows topsoil. And it's shocking how much – how little topsoil we have in this country, you know what I mean, and um, and so it's just it's it, all of that plays part into the into the, our living and how we eat and everything, and so we have to be conscientious of it. and And what science has done is they figured out what. Plants We should grow with the weather in which we, we have understanding in invasive species, whether they're the oinking kind or whether <laughs> they're just the ones that put out <laughs> roots. We want to not grow them. Um, and, you know, and staying away from, you know, from from plants and, and things that require too much water. Yes. Yeah. Um, and um, and just understanding also things that are you know more disease resistant, and so we don't we can stay away from chemicals, which you know so get filtered. So this is the whole
1: organic uh, yeah. food
0: movement. And and what's interesting now that your 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 chefs, I think you know as as you were talking as the earlier um people earlier people in 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 weather um don't didn't have the background that you have, um, chefs now. Their background has changed absolute, too. Absolute. You know, where once upon a time a chef was just, they just cooked. But to be a chef now and, and to be, a, and, and the chefs now have a voice. So what you find, and a lot of the, the great chefs from Alice Waters and all these, they have very interesting, they anthropologists or they have some kind of other background, not in food, but whatever. But what you find is that today's chef has to know more than just food. Well,
1: I wanted to ask you about that because I, I see quite a bit of environmental, environmentally friendly practices. You talked about the organic movement, but also things like uh, uh, local source, the farm right. to table. Um, as a restaurateur and a chef that works around the clock and around the country, Country. Are you implementing any oh, of these yeah. farm-to-table oh, yes, or oh, other yes. sort of innovative oh, yes, practices? Yes.
0: Like even in our restaurant here in, um, in Atlanta, um, what's Southern, the name of that restaurant? I want to make sure Southern I check it out. Southern Art and Bourbon Bar. Okay, I wanna, uh, we, we will be there soon. We <laughs> we use a lot of very, a lot of local foods, um, you know, from cheese. Some great cheeses made here in Georgia, and vegetables and stuff, and grits, and um, and even my biggest property is at Walt Disney World. Yes, it's amazing. You know, I was just uh, I was just there, and I. I was just thinking about the carbon print that they have and, and thinking how they have so to be so conscientious of water. And um, we have a very large restaurant there called Homecoming, and we do about 1,500 people a day. Wow. And, um, and, we, and 50%, over 50% of the food is locally sourced. And how I sold it was I had the opportunity to cook for the chairman of the board. And, um, and I sent him an email and said, you know, you need me there. I said because outside of that magic kingdom there's Florida, my Florida. And my Florida has has a different taste and your guests need to know what Florida tastes That's a like. Good point. And so and so he said, "Well, tell me how your Florida tastes." And so and I said, "Well, you know, grouper sandwiches and which you know, sadly, grouper's been fished out, but it's, it's coming back. And you know, and smoked fish bread, and which was very traditionally something you <laughs> ate a lot. And um, you know, mullet, um, fried mullet, uh, another great. Yeah, I so
1: grew up on fried mullet. He you know, we depended
0: South. a lot on those natural resources. You know, as part of our our diet. You know what I mean? And um, so um, I was able to bring that to Walt Disney World, to the happiest place on the on earth, and. Um, but, you know, and through that and just seeing – and they've inspired me so much. Um, I don't know if you've recently been there, but they put in some very large solar farms. And what I'm happy about is they're putting in large solar farms near me where I live, sure. um, you know, just to try to cut down on, you know, coal, you know, plants and things of that sort. And, sure. and I mean, I spent – I trained at the in West Virginia at the Greenbrier. In West Virginia, it depends so much on coal, and and, and I understand that. Um I, I just think that if we you know, we need to be be conscientious and what we've realized too is that um it's all about choice. It's all about the fact is through those choices we need to understand that what it's just the law of physics, like what you know, you know. One, a, 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 you know, and a, a reaction creates another reaction sure, somewhere else, sure. and um, and we need to realize that it may not be our, may not be next door, but it may be around the world.
1: Oh yeah, no, these and, connections, every, as you just so eloquently noted in in your remarks. I mean, these things are all connected. Our system is connected from our food to our water to our weather and climate. I, I mean, I I, I want to get your thoughts on this as a chef and someone that certainly I imagine serves meat in your restaurant. There uh-huh. are some people that say that reductions in meat will sort of help us with the climate change problem well, but i mean there are two sides of that as well right. so what are your thoughts
0: well you know um i i love i love dairy and i you know i we always had a a milk cow and a jersey and um and a lot of people have problems with it and because of, of its own carbon footprint and my father was a cattleman um and um my little girl who's 10 will only eat beef I, you know, I again, I think that again, I think that our diet in our country is particularly heavy in in beef, and pork, and chicken. I think that we don't eat enough vegetables. I do see it changing.
1: My twelve-year-old my son is one of them.
0: <laughs> he yes. needs to eat more vegetables, and mine don't either. They, yeah. they you know, um, and I think that um, it's it, just by just. It's, it's really important that just by gradual changes, we can make great leaps. And I think is if we can be conscientious and about our choices and about the foods and stuff, you know, just what we eat will, will have a huge impact on the environment. And knowing that through um, our world and global, um, with the, the changing and um, climate, how it's affecting us, the fact is, is that, you know, Things are, you know, we're, we're getting a lot warmer. You know, we've seen that. Well, and know? that
1: has implications, and I wanted to touch on that because it has implications on things that are directly close to you. For example, just uh, a few things here. Uh, warming ocean waters are either, uh, in some cases, killing fish or causing them to migrate to different places from where they normally were. I've seen that happen. Yeah. Uh, livestock production increases methane, which is uh, 20 right. times more potent as a greenhouse gas. But one of the things I think you were going extreme drought conditions are devastating crop production and crop yields. Yes, so these are things that have a direct right. impact on a business like yours. Exactly. Talk about the business case from a restauranteur perspective in climate change.
0: Well, you know, every chef the the biggest um, rule of thumb and also the law that you have to abide by is food costs, and food costs is something that is very difficult to control. Um, That's why a lot of restaurants and hotels or whatever food facilities are using a big box company um, where they buy everything because they're able to control their costs. It's more difficult to go down to the local market and choose foods because of just the fact you have to take time, whatever, et cetera. It's easier just to call the the person to come, get the list and everything. you know, it's what we have to, what you have to do is, um, I think in, the, in, you know, working, it's, it's what's going on now with straws. Yeah, we'll go into the paper and metal straws. You know, as you see now, and, and some splashes. people like to hate them because they disintegrate, but the reality is we realize that those straws end up somewhere, and, and sadly they... It's they, mostly they, the they, ocean, it yeah, seems. Yeah, and they, they kill marine life. Yeah. And so you see now that's changing. So I think what we have to do is we're going to have to start limiting things. We can we can start kind of catering these menus or curtailing these things that, that are going to have profound effect, um, you know... Um, I, I, I our country grows a lot of corn.
1: Sure.
0: And um, and the corn, of course, it, you know, a lot of it's made into you know to into um you know to, to fuel ethanol and, and, and ethanol like that and sure. um and you know and it's in everything. Um, do we need to really grow that much corn? Um, and can we can we wean ourselves from that and and look at other crops that are maybe. Um, Easier to grow, but still have high yields, but not so hard on the soil. And um, it takes a lot of water to grow corn, a lot of irrigation. Yeah, well, and I know that they rely on a very big aquifer,
1: the Algalala aquifer out there, and much of the corn belt in parts of the, the Great Plains as well. Right. And that's
0: stressed. I believe that and, large aquifer and, is stressed right and Exactly, and they acquire a lot of chemicals and, and stuff like that. So I think that we need to look at, like, uh, I had someone the other day send me um, – uh, some protein they're doing in indiana and i, I want to say it was it wasn't soy because you know their concern over the soy it was pea pea protein and um and how they're using that to help um uh to really cre- create more protein and foods and stuff and opposed to put adding um meat or uh, everything so i think that the the best thing that you know not just from your home but just even from the it, it, with talking as a chef of the restaurant is that we can just be conscientious like you know in my restaurant at disney because we we do so much there you know i'm very um considerate and conscientious about where my chicken comes from and how it's raised and about hormones and all that kind of stuff. And, and, um, and also, too, it's just uh, – and that the farms are extremely – abide by those, those different things. And I'm – it's really – that's really, really important. And I, and I think that – you know, I, I think that we're on a, gr- a greater path because I think now we know more about where our food comes from than ever. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over,
1: which helps her improve her skills.
0: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com/slash metaverse impact.
1: And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. Fascinating. Just Fascinating discussion with Art Chef Art Smith. Uh, uh, he has a restaurant tour, Chef to the Stars, Chef to. Uh, major politician, presidents, award-winning, make sure you check out his restaurants. Let me just give you a chance to do this um, because you've got restaurants in Chicago, Washington, D.C., Palo Alto, Atlanta, Disney Springs. You've mentioned your Disney Springs mm-hmm. and you've mentioned your Atlanta restaurants. What are the names of your restaurants in the other cities so that the listeners know? We
0: uh, Well, we have we have a, a wonderful uh, new fried chicken chain that is called Art Bird and Whiskey Bar. I did it with Lady Gaga's family. And uh, we met in a green room, and um, and we uh, we were approached by Live Nation, one of the largest concert uh, venues in the. And they are now putting our 25 locations across the country. People love fried chicken. Sure, they do, especially and, here in the South. And that's where we the other live. thing too: when frying chicken, the kind of oil we use, and and we're using oils that are have a longer life, and disposal of it, and how it's disposed of, and how it's used, it's recycled, all that kind of so a thing. So there's sustainability oh, yeah. in your oh, oil. Most definitely, yes. Okay, wow. and you know, and you know, an, an oil to, to, that we use for our chicken it costs us over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Wow. That's a lot of, that's a lot of cash for Greece. Right. Sure, sure. And, um, but anyway, um, and I have, um, we also have, um, we have blue door kitchen and, um, and garden, which is, uh, a beautiful place there in Chicago. It's my first restaurant. And we have Chicago cube barbecue. Some of us some people remember me on barbecue pit masters. I was the, the nice judge (laughs) next to Myron Mixon. That's right. And, um, and I also, uh, we, uh, we, we created a healthy food chain. Um, but we sold that. That was the one that was in Palo Alto. But, but now I'm working on, um, we'll, um, we're going to do something. We have, we have a big restaurant opening in a major airport, which I'm excited about. And another big restaurant. And, um, um, it's it's interesting, you know, the food that I grew up on. The world still wants to eat it, and, Absolutely. and um, it, I, it, I still want to eat it. <laughs> it's it's comfort, sure. Um, but one of the things I've learned, just you know, with the food that I prepare, and it's just again, it's about making choices, it's about being conscientious. Um, the when we when I grew up on it, there was pork and everything, right. It doesn't have to be that way. Well, I, I make I actually do make my the collard
1: greens in our family, and I grew up on pork seasoned collard greens. But now I use smoked turkey,
0: right? And it's really good. Yeah. Um, but what i was saying is, and I, and I and this morning I had bacon. But I was saying is, it, but it, it, where I grew up, it was in everything. Yes, uh, me too. Every vegetable, me too. it everything was flavored Absolutely. with it. Absolutely. And so, but what I. What I've understood because I now cook for people from all over the world, I realize that whether it's for religious or whether it's for health, whatever, um, I've learned you know that I didn't I didn't need to do that, and um, so I've changed, um, you know, and I've also reduced the the amount of carbs. You don't need so many carbs and stuff, and you know, and um, I'm very like I love grits, but I use only. Water, um, water ground on uh, stone ground grits that are that still retain their germ, the the, the natural germ in them from the corn, and, wow. and then that's corny flavor. They're delicious, and um, and we use wild shrimp, not farm shrimp. Wow, and what uh, what's the reasoning there? Uh, because far, farm shrimp, they, ha- they again they they grow them, they raise them in these these ponds, and they have to use um, certain, um, uh, you know they have to doctor them with medicines and stuff to, to to cut down the, you know, the problems that they have because they're so crowded and everything like that. So um, a lot of people feel that they're, you know, they're just not as healthy. Um, but the wild shrimp... Um, you know, of course, you got. You know, our, our planet is is um there our natural supply in the sea is 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 getting it's not as great as it was, um so we need to kind of cut down a bit of that. But um there um, so that does that translate because I mean typically when you go
1: to a nice restaurant like I'm sure yours are, uh, typically some things cost a bit more than other things and I imagine it's a supply right. and demand access issue. that is
0: exactly and and that's one of the things as a consumer, um. We in our country have always been able to eat extremely affordable compared to the rest of the world. I I have to say I have seen recently I've spent over a month traveling and I and I have to tell you it's amazing what the people are charging and I always think you know for the for the average family, but um, but I do I do think that um, as the demand goes up the price is going down and thanks you know you know people are are. Um, well, We'll say, you know, when it comes to Walmart, but but the reality is, Walmart has the largest organic selection there is, and I'm proud of them for doing that. And um, and then you know, and so what's happened now is that other markets have followed through, and putting in more, um, and you know, and to me, I I just I I, I my biggest my for me as a chef, my job is just to feed people, and I want them to feel happy comfort and also feel that they got their their value and i i also love the fact they may want to take some home home with them because the fact is when they go home they remember you
1: absolutely with, you
0: know they have that so um it's been, you know, it's it's something. It's an ongoing process, and from as a restaurateur and a chef, is that knowing the menu, knowing the food, knowing what's available, and just understanding that maybe you not use this food because of what it, its effect on the environment. and And the fact is, with the weather, um, it's it has had a profound effect on things, and so. Um, Anyway, you know, so, it's, it's an exciting um, – it keeps you on your
1: feet. Well, I, I wanted to ask we're, – we're getting to the near the end of the podcast here, and this has been amazing talking with Art Smith. I wanted to ask you because, you know, I, I know that there are companies now that really think about some sustainability. You mentioned this with your grease. but Are there other things that you do in your restaurants to eliminate sort of food waste? Because that's a big environmental challenge as well. Uh, how are you tackling the food waste in well, general?
0: Uh, what we do is much of any food waste that we do. There are pig farmers that come and they they they, they take it and we do that, um, um, or there's composters that people do. Um, I'm I'm very conscientious where our garbage goes, so I'm very. Those are one things. So I'm also very conscientious about what types of disposables and things of that sort and um that that's my biggest complaint with like to go food is the containers and all the stuff yes. and and they have a tendency now to put stuff into pretty um in these plastic containers which you think where is that going to go um so personally that's how what I'm handling it okay i'm just fine with the little you know, brown paper box that we can put it in. You know, and just be, just be careful with it. But um, but I, I'm trying really hard, just in my own way, with my restaurants, to do that, and also just making um my employees conscientious, um, of my team of, of that. Which you know about being not wasteful and and just understanding that, just the fact the profound effect they're having on on the others and stuff. Uh, last
1: question, because I know you're in Florida. We're here in Georgia. We experienced Hurricane Michael last year in Florida. Yes. And much of the Georgia's agriculture was devastated, the pecans and mm-hmm. peanuts and even broilers and some other bell peppers down in that area. Were you in any way impacted personally or from a business standpoint by Hurricane Michael?
0: Um, I had a lot of friends that were impacted by it because of that area. Um, I have some dear friends that have an oyster farm, and they're raising oysters in a beautiful um, spring creek. It's where the, the, the Wakala Springs and the river flows I into this exactly beautiful bay. Yes. Yes. And the freshwater springs you know bubble up into the, to the bay, and so you get this wonderful water that the oysters love. And they had started this wonderful oyster farming and around the bay. Beautiful. And um, the most delicious, tasty oysters. And it wiped them out. Wow. Um, and so they're they're coming back, but um, you know because that the, the, that's the other thing too is like you know it's just a profound. You can tell much about the environment, particularly our waters, when it comes to oysters. Um, yeah, they're sort of natural filters for the environment. Exactly. Sure. You know, we complain about the bugs, but if the bugs not around, then you should be concerned. Sure. You know, I always was told as a kid that when you see a dragonfly, you know that everything's well with the world because dragonflies are very sensitive to, to things. And um, the best part of my life is now teaching my children my love and letting them you know, be, be conscientious. It's my favorite. <laughs> we had stopped. Um, I, I, every weekend I take them on a little journey. Like we're on a journey now. We're going to go see their godparents in Indiana. We're at a place in Jacksonville, it's a little Mediterranean restaurant. And my daughter's a bit picky eater. And there was some hummus. I did. I. I, I did a diplomatic, um, where I travel the world as a diplomat in food. I'm getting ready to go to Jordan, but I spent some great some, some time in Jerusalem in the old city, and um, there was some the hummus was on the table. And she, I said, I want you to eat that. She said, I don't want to eat that. I said, well, honey, that's Jesus food. <laughs> Did she eat it? Jesus, I said, yeah. I said, hummus is a very old, old food that's been eaten in that part of the world for a long, long, long time. Right. So I got her eating Well, it. whatever it takes, because I, I, I have a
1: 12-year-old that lives off of chicken fingers and probably not the kind of chicken no, no, you're getting no, your poultry from. No,
0: no. My, mine love chicken fingers, no, too. So you, so know you know what I mean. You know how it is. So you know.
1: we honestly have run out. Of time, My I pleasure. could go thank forever you, with you. This has just been an amazing My conversation. Pleasure. Thank you for joining it's us. It's a pleasure. Thank it's you. It's a pleasure, and thank I want to, on behalf of both of us, thank Ed sorry for we making this for this connection possible. Uh, I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia. Before we get out of here, can where can people find your website or, or, or right. on social media?
0: Okay, you can go to the Chef Art Smith <laughs> on Instagram, or you can um, find me at Chef Art Smith <laughs> on Twitter. Um, we have. Um, commonthreads.org and we have um, reunion.org and you'll find out about our doing good in the community as well as working with children. Very
1: good and thank you all as always for listening this is certainly an out of the box weather geeks but I hope you saw the connection and please join us again next week on the next episode of weather geeks and we'll see you soon
0: thank you